We live in a world where people are valued for their knowledge and their expertise. Take doctors versus surgeons. In the US, your general doctor makes around 160,000 a year, while brain surgeons, who obviously are uber specialists, earn in the mid 700,000s each year. I know, I know, we all want our brain surgeon to be an expert in their field, and I'm sure it's a stressful job and all of that, but in general, specialists make more money than generalists. More money doesn't necessarily equate to more value, but it does point towards a certain preference towards specialists. But if you're anything like me, you might have more than one passion or more than one area of focus. I spent years in and out of different fields, always shying away from sharing what I was up to, because I knew that to the outsider, I probably looked crazy. It might have taken some digging, but eventually I found my core theme. And to be honest, I haven't looked back. If you're a more energetically sensitive, creative, or entrepreneur who's ready to transform your sensitivities into your superpowers so that you can spend more time in the flow and less time in the internal struggle, then you've come to the right place. The Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast with Anna Long-Stokes is a business and marketing podcast where we'll uncover the roadblocks that most energetically sensitive entrepreneurs and creatives face on their journey to success and how to move past these blocks to live a more purpose-driven and energetically aligned life. In today's episode, I'm going to share a bit about my backstory and about my sometimes seemingly messy journey of multi-passionate entrepreneurship and how I eventually learned to package this up and make more money because of it. It's my hope that this episode stirs up some ideas for you if you consider yourself a multi-passionate creative or entrepreneur as well and if you're trying to make a good living in this amazing life. Okay, so here goes. I'm someone who generally tends to thrive off of variety. My first job out of getting my master's degree in social work was as a quality management specialist at a large welfare agency, which is funny because I liked variety, but as you might notice, I had a specialist (laughs) in my title. So the thing was, I hated being a specialist. Specializing in one thing got really boring to me. The minute I figured out what it was that I was supposed to do and I got good at it, I was bored. I tend to learn quickly and I get bored fast. And my brilliant boss noticed this in me right away. And she didn't want to lose me, so she kept creating these new jobs and roles and projects for me. I ended up writing standard operating procedures for pretty much all of the departments in this sector of this company. And that might seem boring, but I was able to go sit there with all these people who had different jobs and take note of their processes, how they did them, what were the things that could come up so that I could write down troubleshooting tips. Like it was a, 
you could kind of look at it as I was like a standard operating procedure investigator because I wasn't actually the specialist. I had to temporarily take my beginner's mind and put it in the mind of the specialist, ask the right questions, and then write these procedures that could be used if someone quit without notice or got really ill. This trend, this wasn't the only job that this happened. This trend followed me into every job. And I remember my boyfriend at the time thought something was wrong with me. (laughs) He kind of was like, why can't you just be happy with the job that you have? Why do you have to switch jobs every year? Or why are you always on the hunt for something new? He was actually the one that told me I should become a consultant because then it would be my job to have a bit of variety. So rather than quitting every time I kind of figured things out, I would simply switch clients and contracts, etc. But I had no idea what he was talking about at the time. I really hadn't heard anything about consulting. This was over 10 years ago. And I just kind of filed this into the catalog of doesn't pertain to me right now. So this went on for a number of years and it began to actually slow down that sort of drive to always be searching for something new in my job. That sort of slowed down when I started my first business, when I first moved from Chicago to Portland. It was a little skincare studio out of my house. Um, I had moved into a triplex and I had a laundry room that had its own door. So I got some of those Japanese screens to kind of hide my laundry. And in about probably 200 square feet, I operated this little skincare studio. And for the first time in ages, I didn't mind my boring day job because it was boring, but that was okay because on the side, I had the mental space to map out all of the exciting things pertaining to me starting my own little business, like working through logos and service menus and business cards and signs and what booking system should I use? What product should I sell and how to market? I really loved the idea of finding creative ways to let people know what I was up to. That was back in about 2010. And um, as you can imagine, my logo and website were hideous, but everyone else's was, so that didn't matter. But it's been about 12 years since those early days of starting my very first little skincare studio. And I've gone on to create a few more of them, including one that had me hitting the nebulous million dollar mark eventually. And I finally did become a business consultant, as that ex-boyfriend of mine had said I should do. I started working with small businesses who needed help with strategy and marketing and accountability, and I loved it. I thrived. I even spent five years in psychic school, first as a student and then in the teaching space. And if I review this list of, I don't know if you want to call them credentials or experiences with those who don't know me well or are more recent to my journey they're a little bit puzzled. Um, Sometimes people are like, wow, that seems like a lot of variety or those seem really different. And what does that variety say about me? For years, I was embarrassed about this quality. I was embarrassed to tell social workers that I also was a skincare therapist. I was embarrassed to tell consulting clients that 
I also loved giving healings and facials and clairvoyant readings. So for years, I really struggled to see how all of these things that made up a part of my identity were linked to each other. I knew I was multi-passionate, but I knew I wasn't a mess. It might've looked messy from the outside, but I felt the theme, even if I couldn't articulate it. I was determined to follow my passions on this journey and to profit as I did that. And I thought that in today's podcast, it would be fun to share some of this history with you because maybe you relate. Maybe you have a variety of different interests or ways to make money, but it's feeling a bit disjointed. Or maybe you're ready to start a new business that blends a variety of themes, but you aren't sure how or what the common thread is between everything that you want to pull together. My opinion is that while there might be a common thread there, maybe there doesn't have to be. So I just wanted to start with saying not everyone is going to create or run a business that encompasses all of their passions and talents, but someone else might. For some people, this is really important and for others, it isn't. So take this podcast episode with a grain of salt. If you feel like work is work, business is business, passions are passions, and whether they all intersect is really no importance to you, then you can just listen to this podcast for the enjoyment of it. But if you're feeling pulled to kind of bring it all together a bit more, then keep listening. So I want to get a little bit more specific about how I fused what seemed to be on the outside, all of these different kind of interests and avenues of exploration together. And I ended up finding some success. So first example is I was never satisfied just giving facial treatments. I always found a way to do subtle energy work on clients throughout the facial that made giving the facial more enjoyable to me as the provider. I can't explain it. It's just something where it feels like if I give a facial and I'm not also doing energy work in the process, it's like I'm giving a one-handed facial. Like it doesn't feel good to me. And I'm just like, oh, this can't feel good to my client. I didn't really share this with clients. I just did it. I would be working on my clients, listening to their bodies, and I gave them this energetic unwinding that I felt that they needed. It's a very hands-on form of energy work that just sort of developed in my practice over years of giving facials. And at the time, the funny thing was, because I wasn't really talking about it, and maybe they weren't people who would ever in their day-to-day life go get energy work, you know, it just wasn't something I marketed, but they would always say, Anna, like, why are your facials so good? I've never had a facial like this before. And it took me a while to begin to feel comfortable sharing with them that my facials were special because I infused them with a unique form of energy work that felt right to me. So after years of hiding this, I finally came out of the closet and told clients I was an energy worker and that not only was I going to do energy work in my facials, I was going to charge a premium for it. So I came up with a new name, a formal structure and a higher price point. And I sold those. I sold those. People wanted it. They were happy to have me come out of the closet and say, hey, this is me. Here's why I'm unique. Here's what I do. If you're interested, buy. If you're not, don't. 
And you know, there's still a wait list for these facials at the studio that I sold because people still want what only I can uniquely offer them. Another example is that I get pretty bored at this point giving basic clairvoyant readings. Um, when I went through my clairvoyant training, you know, we learn a set form of reading, a seven layer aura reading, and that's kind of how we meet new clients. That's the general form of a reading. Um, it kind of helps to have that structure when you're a beginning clairvoyant. And after doing that for so many years, I just have gotten a little bored with it. So instead, I've been exploring what it's like to work with creatives and entrepreneurs who are interested in using energy as a guiding metric for where they find themselves in relation to their business and their creations. So to put it simply, like, you know, if you're looking for someone to give you a generic plan, like here, let's talk about your business. Great. Here's five marketing strategies. I say you're not doing do this. Like I'm not that person. But if you're looking for me to read your love life or something, I'm also not that person, like a general psychic reader. Instead, I'm really specifically something else and I'm proud of it. But I had to create something unique to let people know right out of the gate what they can expect when working with me. What came to me is my intuitive business review sessions. And these specialized clairvoyant readings help entrepreneurs see things like past life karma that's impacting their current decisions or spiritual agreements that need to be cleared before they can take their next steps. Essentially, I've fused what I learned in my years of advanced psychic training with my years of experience coaching entrepreneurs and guiding them with strategy. And for me, it feels like a magic blend and people are really beginning to respond. And these are unique. I haven't seen another offer out there like this. And my price point, I would say, is a reflection of the unique value that I bring to the table. And it's probably more than I would be charging for a generalist psychic reading. So yes, we address all types of crazy energetic components that might come up in a normal psychic reading, but they're all geared at what energies my clients need to be aware of as they move towards their bigger goals in life and business. It's a similar process, but a different way that I'm going about it. So as I share a couple of these examples with you, I want to pose the question to you, is there a unique passion or talent of yours that you're currently hiding from your clients or from letting customers see? And if so, why? What stories have you made up about this, about not being seen? Before I created my specialized energetic facial, I told myself that it wasn't safe to fuse the two and be seen as a healer and a facialist. Before I created my intuitive business review, I told myself that business clients would think I was too woo-woo to add energy reading into their business support repertoire. And I have to say, like these were just stories I was telling myself. It was an energy I was stuck in. And I was wrong on both accounts. And I wish someone had just kind of taken me by the shoulders, shaken me, and just said, Anna, like you can do it all. You can have it all. Clients will love you more for it. Clients will see the value of what you bring to the table. In a way, 
the irony here is that you could say my tendency towards being an inquisitive generalist led me down a path of becoming a super specialist in something that's unique that very few people have heard about or very few people have attempted to combine themselves. But at the time, you know, obviously I didn't have that person. It's something I've had to figure out a bit more on my own. And I hope I could be that person for you. Just, I want to take you by the shoulders right now and say, what makes you unique? And is it important for you to find a way to bring this to the table in your business, in your creations, or in your life? If it's not important for you to fuse these things, then fine, don't. But I encourage you to at least take a step back and consider how adding more of you into the equation might actually add to your bottom line. I mean, I'll be honest, you might be someone listening to this podcast who doesn't have a business yet, or maybe never wants to have a business, but this applies to jobs as well. If you want to be irreplaceable, if you want the raises, you have to do the things that stand out. And so this is no different really in how it applies to essentially you get hired for a job, but you actually do have the ability to fuse your interests and talents. And a lot of the people I know who do this well end up writing their own jobs. People say, I know I want you because of these core talents you have, write your own job. So when I review, kind of let's talk about how to get there. If you're like, okay, this all sounds good, but like, how do I figure this out? So when I look back, I look at how I showed up in all of my previous jobs and businesses, and I look for the common theme. And when I have done this, what I have found in all of them is that I always brought my intuition and I always brought my desire to solve a puzzle. So for instance, like even when I was in a, you know, 12 by 12 room with child welfare charts up to the ceiling in my early days of being a quality management specialist, I still used my intuition. We had to review thousands of documents every day. And sometimes I'd just be like, "Mm, what is that? Something's off. Something's off. Something's off here. It would, my intuition would tell me like, what lead do I need to follow? Like, where is something not right here? And then I would use these like puzzle solving skills where I really like to kind of get to the bottom of it, like an investigator. So no matter what role I found myself in, my intuition led me to uncover the things that needed fixing. And my desire to solve this puzzle gave me the determination to see things through And what this did is it ensured that I left things better than I had found them. So yeah, maybe I only stayed at that job for a year, but I left it better than when I found it, whether it was a new management manual or, you know, standard operating procedures, you know, I started a company and I sold it to the new owners better than obviously I found it. It was nothing when I founded it. So. I used my intuitive and strategic nature to improve the jobs I was in or the businesses that I created. So you could say that my theme, my core theme is intuition and strategy. I live life using these two very equally in all areas of income producing activities in my life. So ask yourself, what have you brought to the table and what have you left behind at the jobs and the businesses that you've been a part of? 
And when you ask yourself that question, you might begin to see the theme, the theme that is less obvious. A lot of times I feel like in business advice or marketing advice, they talk with you about finding your your niche based on your audience or finding your niche based on what's unique about you. But I feel like sometimes we don't know what's unique about us. So if you're really struggling with this, one of the things I have a lot of the beginning business builders who I'm working with, I have them outreach to friends and family. And you can ask them questions like this. Like, have you noticed, like, what are the three things you've noticed that I've brought to XYZ? What are three things you find unique or you admire about me? And they might give you your theme for you. You could do this with people you used to work with if you're making the jump from a job to starting your own business. And so they kind of get you, but maybe, you know, some of these things that came up in a job are things you can carry over into the business. So, um, in that one question, what have you brought to the table and left behind in the jobs and businesses that you've been a part of? What is your theme? Just ask yourself that question or ask friends and family that question. And you might find that you're able to get to the core essence of what your personal theme is. And yeah, you may not obviously be a specialist like the brain surgeons making 700,000 a year, but you certainly bring something unique to the table. And believe it or not, once you identify this and you confidently embrace it, you will find that your pay is a reflection of this. Okay. So if you haven't yet, make sure to check out my Empowered Empath Community. It's free to sign up. And I'm updating this private portal with new meditations each month to help keep you and your energy in healthy movement during these crazy times. You can find the link in the show notes or head on over to my website at www.empathicpreneur.com to learn more. And hey, if you like this podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or with your Instagram friends and make sure you're subscribed to get notified each time I release a new episode. Until next time, keep creating. Thanks for listening to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an energetically sensitive creative or entrepreneur looking to find more ease and profits in your creative and business endeavors, then check out our Empathicpreneur Academy, a community and program designed to help you get out of the start-stop-start process so that you can move through the fear, drop the resistance, and show up and do the work you came here to do. Learn more at www.empathicpreneur.com or click the link in the show notes.